Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. My name is Jacob Avila and I'm joined by Cray Bolger and Mike Pratt. So the article that we're going to talk about today, we're all super psyched about. It's entitled Lung Ultrasound Integrated with Clinical Assessment for the Diagnosis of Acute Decompensated Heart Failure in the Emergency Department, a Randomized Controlled Trial. And this was published in 2019 in the European Journal of Heart Failure. It's a kind of a... um, it's an important study with kind of like a long title, but basically what they were trying to figure out is, can you use lung ultrasound to diagnose heart failure is essentially what the title is when you like shorten it down. Um, it's an, it's a very important topic, you know? I mean, you have patients that come in with shortness of breath and knowing exactly what the cause of that shortness of breath is important. There have been a lot of ultrasound studies that have looked at this in the past, and most of the time, they actually include echo, sometimes an IVC. But what I love about this one is it just compares the lung ultrasound, just looking at the lungs with chest x-ray slash pro BNP and look to see what the diagnostic accuracy of the two are. This study actually took place in Italy, and they included any patient that presented to the emergency department that was an adult and was complaining of dyspnea, or which they defined as acute shortness of breath or worsening of their chronic dyspnea over the past 48 hours. They excluded people that were mechanically ventilated or trauma, or if there was no emergency physician trained in lung ultrasound present. So right there, we know this is a bit of a convenience population. It was wise on their part to exclude these mechanically ventilated, because if you think about it, when they have that extra pressure in their lungs, that may reverse some of the beelines that is the main thing they were trying to find in this study. So prospective randomized multi-center trial. This was the protocol. Patients received an initial valuation which included everything, your normal medical history, your exam, and in Europe, they seem to always get ABGs on everyone that is are short of breath immediately, uh, and an ECG. At this point, whoever was treating the patient had to choose if they thought this was a binary acute decompensated heart failure or something else. They had to choose one or the other at this point. Then the patients were randomized to either lung ultrasound or the traditional arm, which consisted of a chest x-ray and an NT Pro BNP. So at this point, after they got back that data, the treating physician again had to say, now do you think it's heart failure or not heart failure? Afterwards, the patients who received lung ultrasound also got a chest x-ray and a BNP, and they, the patients who received the BNP initially could get a lung ultrasound, but they were not forced to. Any management decisions were left up to the treating physicians and as well as whether they were admitted or discharged after that. They did measure the time to get to that integrated diagnosis. So after the intervention or the after the diagnostic arm was assigned, they considered that next diagnosis the integrated diagnosis. And that was their primary outcome. What is the accuracy of the integrated diagnosis comparing lung ultrasound to the ProBNP plus chest x-ray arm. The standard they used was a chart review of the patient's entire chart where they could use all of the information and all of the studies that were done, and they tried to determine if this patient actually had acute decompensated heart failure. And they used the European Society guidelines to kind of make that definition too. Uh, They also wanted to calculate not just the accuracy, but 
what they call the net reclassification index, which basically is how often the diagnosis is changed based on the new information. So they wanted to see if the lung ultrasound helped the diagnostic dilemma more often or if the chest x-ray and BNP helped it. So that's just another number that they calculated to make that determination. These ultrasounds were done by 44 emergency physicians that did have some expertise in lung ultrasound. They all had completed some prior training in that. And it, regarding their lung ultrasound itself, because that varies from study to study, they did an eight-zone scanning protocol with the patient sitting or semi-recumbent. They defined interstitial syndrome as three or more B-lines per intercostal space in two or more zones bilaterally. So that was a lot. Basically, people came in, they got either lung ultrasound or chest x-ray and pro-BNP, and then they saw which was more accurate for a final diagnosis of heart failure exacerbation. So, Craig, what did they find? So, they had 518 patients, so a nice big population, a median age of 79, so maybe a little bit older than um, our average population in the U.S. because their people are healthier because wine and pasta fixes everything. Uh, <laughs> about 47% were female, 43% ended up having a final diagnosis of acute decompensated heart failure. And almost 91% of these patients were admitted, which seems a wee bit high to me. Um, but again, maybe they more appropriately use their healthcare system. 25.5% um, were admitted to the ICU or what I would interpret as our step-down unit. And they had an in-hospital mortality of nearly 8%. So they kind of looked at the characteristics of the patients in each group, and they matched pretty similarly as far as ejection fraction, medications they were on, um, inflammatory markers. A few less patients were discharged in the lung ultrasound group, but not statistically significant. So what did they find? The integrated diagnosis with lung ultrasound has a sensitivity of almost 94% and a likelihood ratio of 0.07. The integrated diagnosis with chest x-ray and pro-BNP, so what we consider probably the more common practice in non-ultrasound fanatics, had a sensitivity of only 85% and a negative likelihood ratio of 0.17. Specificity for lung ultrasound, again, the integrated diagnosis, was 95.5 with a positive likelihood ratio of 20.9. Wow. wow. And to disappoint yet again, the chest x-ray and pro-BNP was at 89.4 with a positive likelihood ratio of only 8. So ultrasound wins that one. Yes. So if you're looking at this paper, you will notice an abundance of charts, which we are trying to summarize for you. <laughs> so the net reclassification, which I think is a really important factor to us, um, as far as like how does ultrasound change your management, not only help you make the diagnosis, but change, you know, take you from turning left to turning right. The net reclassification with lung ultrasound was 8.9% in patients with acute decompensated heart failure and 4.5% in non-heart failure patients. Chest x-ray and BNP was only 4% in heart failure patients and 0.6% in non-heart failure patients. Yeah, they also looked at pleural effusions and they kind of left that, they found that that really wasn't that helpful in diagnosis of heart failure. So time to diagnosis because time is money and time is patient lives and time is efficiency in RVUs. This is one of like my favorite parts of this study only five minutes for the lung ultrasound with a range of four to nine. 
chest x-ray and pro BNP was 104.5 minutes. So if you're using that and waiting on that to make your plan, 104.5 minutes That's crazy. with a range of 80 to 131. It was like two hours versus five minutes. Mic yeah. drop. Yeah. Boom. Probe drop. Don't do that, actually. Probe That's drop. really expensive. <laughs> don't, probe don't drop, do but don't drop it. Seriously. There's like there's like so much good data in here, and I think that it would probably take us like seven podcasts to talk about like all of the data in here that you can use. So if you are interested in you know trying to convince people that your lung ultrasound, um, especially in your initial assessment, is better, um, definitely spend like you know get you know a cup of coffee, um, curl up by the fireplace, and spend a couple of hours reading this article because there's so much data in here, but. I think bottom line, the important thing is that this is a large patient sample, and they showed that lung ultrasound was more accurate, faster than just using your x-ray and pro-BMP. I think one thing I really like about this study is the person making the decisions is doing the ultrasound. A lot of times, the ultrasound is like adjunct and done by somebody else more of in a standard imaging way and a lot of the studies like your super ultrasound team comes in and tells you what they found and you can decide to use it or not i like in this one that the person taking care of the patient did the ultrasound and integrated it with their clinical gestalt that's so much more realistic and the fact that that person only took five minutes now granted they had some training but eight fields in five minutes if i see it in two fields bilaterally i'm stopping which I think is probably validated by the fact that usually at least six fields were positive when you had heart failure. So I think if we, you could potentially even redo this study with a shortened protocol and get less than five minutes, which is amazing. Um, and the fact that like 9% of the time you're altering your plan based on your lung ultrasound, again, super impactful. In less than five minutes, you're changing your plan in 9% of the patients instead of waiting almost two hours to then change your plan. Yeah, and that's what we've always been saying. A lot of the studies take like a separate group of sonologists in the in the emergency department or in the ICU, and they just check how accurate they are, and then they relay that information to the treating physician. But this is how point-of-care ultrasound is made to be used. The person that's treating it gets all the information at once, puts it in the context of the patient, and then can use it knowing the pretest probability, the strength of the test, and then figure out what's going on. Now, as Jacob mentioned, there was a lot of subgroup analyses and tons of other stuff that you could sort through. This is a great Journal Club article. Uh, and the main things to summarize those, they looked at subgroups of patients that had COPD and were diagnosed with acute decompensated heart failure. And they looked at patients that had a reduced EF prior to a known reduced EF and then had acute decompensated heart failure. There wasn't too much of a difference when they were looking at these subgroups between the lung ultrasound arm and the chest x-ray BNP arm. The main difference they saw was in patients that had a preserved EF, actually, the lung ultrasound arm outperformed the other arm. So that's the main take-home point I took from there. And of course, these being subgroups, there may not have been enough patients in each of them to power these real differences you would like to see. Now, I think another question to you guys, why do you have to choose? Why wouldn't we just do all of these things at once, right? We, I mean, doing a lung ultrasound doesn't mean you can't do a, a BNP and a chest x-ray. 
I agree. I think sometimes, though, um, there's time issues. Again, waiting for that chest x-ray. And again, right now, I think we still live in a culture where, God forbid, you try to admit this patient without a chest x-ray, um, that everybody would think you're on something. But I think sometimes you get these BNPs back that aren't super helpful. They're mid-range or they're close to the patient's baseline, but everything about this patient tells you they're in heart failure. And I think that's when like having something to support your clinical gestalt-like ultrasound can be very helpful. Um, I don't know if I would if it has to be done necessarily without, but I think I would feel comfortable making this diagnosis without the others, but I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with the others without seeing my lung ultrasound. Um, I've seen way too many chest x-rays that look fine and then the next day fluff up. And that patient clearly is not fine based on your clinical gestalt, but nobody else can see that. They can see the testing and the imaging. Um, so that's my two cents. I also like that I can initiate treatment way faster. And then the other tests just seem like extra cost and radiation to the patient that they don't need because I already am treating them and know what I'm treating them for. I guess the main concern would be false positives, actually. Like, could the BNP or chest x-ray lead you astray? And we know that it actually can in some cases, and that would be concerning because it would really cause delays in getting to the right diagnosis and other problems. So I think that you have to consider not only is it sensitive enough, but is it going to really cause problems if you order it? And I think that's a little bit controversial still. Now, the next question is, should they have added cardiac ultrasound? And I think, like Jacob mentioned, we kind of liked that they didn't include mm -hmm. cardiac ultrasound. Uh, that would definitely add some more time. It would make it a little more difficult for people that are less skilled at ultrasound to obtain all those windows. And these authors say, you know, if at the end of your evaluation you're still not sure, then at that point add on your cardiac ultrasound, get some more information, and, you know, see what you find. If they have a really reduced EF and that's new, that can definitely add to your diagnosis. Yeah, I, I actually think that for the average user, adding the cardiac ultrasound like muddies the water. Because I mean, there, there's patients that can come in and, and their baseline ejection fraction is like 20, but they're there with pneumonia today, you know, and they're not in heart failure. If you, if you had to include that heart and you had to include any EF below 20, or sorry, any EF below, you know, 45 or whatever, um, I think that the accuracy would, would go down. Additionally, you might, you know, have patients that have a great ejection fraction if you don't know how to diagnose diastolic dysfunction, you know, and those patients also are in heart failure. So I love that they just looked at the lungs because that is like the final common pathway of shortness of breath is the blood's not moving forward and so the lungs get filled up. So that is probably the most important thing to look at when you're trying to evaluate a patient as if they have heart failure or not. Completely agree. Yeah, so I mean, we're really saying this study was very well done. Just some of the limitations to consider in this case. Remember that this was somewhat of a convenient sample because only patients were only enrolled when there were expert providers available, so could miss some that way. Gold standard being chart review, not the best. I mean, it's pretty good. It's probably the best you could do in this scenario, but there's always patients that could have been misdiagnosed in that, in that manner. Um, but otherwise, there's not too much else we can criticize about this study as randomized. It was multi-center, seemed really well done. So I want to really commend the authors on this one. They did a great job. Let me summarize everything, and then we'll send you home with some take-home points. So again, prospective study out of Italy. They had 518 patients in the emergency department 
with shortness of breath, they ended up finding that long ultrasound was significantly more accurate for the diagnosis of acute decompensated heart failure compared to chest x-ray and BNP. And we're talking area under the curve, long ultrasound 94.5%, chest x-ray, BNP 87.2%. So take home points from this study are that long ultrasound when integrated with the clinical information has a much higher accuracy compared to clinical information alone or the clinical information plus chest x-ray and BNP. And then also that lung ultrasound has a significantly shorter time to diagnosis compared to chest x-ray and natriuretic peptides. Want to again thank the authors. Awesome work. Keep it up. And thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to ultrasoundgel.org. Check us out on Facebook or Google Plus or talk to us on Twitter. We love to chat with you. Until then, we'll talk to you later. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Joined with or joined by? Joined. It's by, right? By. By. Two. <laughs> <laughs>